Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. The Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. God, oh! they did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double order. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Big Bets on Campus podcast, presented by our fine sponsor, BetMGM. Matthew Cox, one third of the three man leave organization here, coming through the airwaves, joined by my other. Two cohorts. Let's talk hoop, fellas. The show structure, it's the same boilerplate that we're always used to. For those who join us for the first time, it's a six-pack of sections. We'll go through mid-majors, power games, underdogs, large favorites, and do a little spotlight on futures at the end of the program. But we all start with our money line dog of the week, Mr. McCann. Um, and before we actually go into this week's slate of options, let's quickly recap how we did last week. We were heavily leveraged on Michigan in Towson. Uh, Michigan got it done for us at Northwestern as we continue to kind of fade this Northwestern swoon. Uh, but Towson did not beat Hofstra in that in their quest for colonial vengeance there. So uh, one and one in terms of our consensus. A few others uh, hit, a few others missed. But hey, let's not dwell on the past. Let's move ahead. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh, where's my dog? Wednesday and Thursday will be the focus of our Moneyline options today. Wednesday, we're starting off with Memphis at South Florida and UNC Wilmington at Charleston. Two best options I picked mm-hmm. off the board here. I like the Bulls. Kai, I'm calling them the running of the Bulls because they are running this year. It's not an, you know, it's not your uh, your mother's South Florida Bull. It's a team that can actually score, mm-hmm. get up and down a little bit. They're hosting Memphis. Kempom has this at six. I kind of think the Bulls can pull it off here against the Tigers. But Jim, the other one here, I think is probably a little bit more enticing, is the UNC Wilmington going back to Charleston after that awesome game at Trask Arena earlier this year. Uh, Wilmington looking for revenge. Charleston looking mortal as of late, but they're still holding on to those at-large hopes. Uh, either of these two on Wednesday catch your eyes, Jim. I'll go to you first. Honestly, the South Florida one would have caught my eye if Memphis had pulled out the two-lane game in overtime on mm-hmm. Saturday. That coming off a 45-minute war where they barely sneak over and, and get that victory, and they would have won six in a row at that point. It would have been enough to, like, I kind of want to sell high in this team. South Florida could catch them a little bit. 
maybe looking ahead to a, a Temple game where Temple's actually up near the top of that league. But since they did lose to Tulane, might be the wake-up call that keeps them focused on this one. You don't want to lose two in a row because they are drifting back towards the bubble, Kai. Uh, and so, unfortunately, I can't quite sign off on either of these, Matt. There are a couple others on Wednesday I'm intrigued by, but neither of these two. Kai, what about you? Yeah, I, I thought about South Florida. In, in game one, South Florida had a 10-point lead with seven minutes to go against Memphis. They can certainly do this, certainly get it done, but I agree, spot's not there after the two-lane game for Memphis. And Charleston, frankly, I, I, I think they're just woken up. You know, they lost a surprising game to Drexel after a Hofstra loss, and they destroyed Delaware. I think they're going to run the table rest of the way, and I, I love my Cougars, Matthew. I can't do it. Thursday, I got some choices, but not those two. I'm with you. I actually uh, passed on both these as well. So I want to tee them up for you guys and the listeners. I think those are intriguing, but not worth investing my personal coin in. The next two, though, I'm going to ride this WCC hard swinging pendulum thing where the results kind of oscillate back and forth very violently. Uh, On Thursday, there's two matchups here. St. Mary's at Loyola Marymount and then BYU at Pepperdine. Now, St. Mary's, one of the most obvious potential letdown spots you'll find with the overtime win against the big bag and Zaga Bulldogs, fresh in the rear view at their building. Now they travel down to La La Land to play a very, very talented, high-octane scoring LMU offense that beat Gonzaga at the kennel. Um, still shocking to say that out loud. And then BYU goes down to play Pepperdine, who Pepperdine just got their first WCC win of the season. Amazing to think that team with all their talent has only amassed one league win, but uh, such is the case in Malibu. Kai, BYU at Pepperdine, St. Mary's at LMU. I'm right with both home teams here. I think there is a... Uh, there's a good letdown angle here for LMU, who's already proven they can rise to the occasion and beat the big boys in this league. And I like Pepperdine kind of getting the old monkey off their bag, trying to ride some juju. And again, I like that talent. I'm stubbornly uh, you know, attached to that talent. So I took both WCC home dogs to win outright in my Moneyline Dog of the Week. Yeah, I actually am going to take swings on both of them as well, Matthew. I agree. It is a big letdown spot here for St. Mary's. LMU has proven it can beat the top teams in this league by beating Gonzaga on the road. It's an impressive win there. Uh, can definitely score. Can they shoot a little bit better than they did in the first game against St. Mary's? You got to hope so, because that's the only way they're going to beat this excellent defense. And then Pepperdine, with the way they can shoot and the way they can score, they can beat literally literally anybody in this league. They've only beaten one team this year, but it's a pretty uh, enticing uh, money line play, right? A high variance dog, especially with a BYU team that's much better at home. So I'll take swings with both WCC home dogs as well, Matthew. All right. I'll be the the party pooper out West here. I'm, I'm going to take neither one. The one that intrigues me more is definitely Pepperdine just because of how erratic they can be that talent. Like they still are getting people like, Oh, Houston Millette, second round pick Max Lewis, probably not lottery, but first rounder. And yet they can't win a WCC game. Doesn't say wonderful things about Mr. Romar on the sideline. If they're not able to even uh, break the seal, they finally did that. But um, so I'm close on Pepperdine. Definitely a team that's better at home. I just think St. Mary's is this good, guys. I can't totally endorse it. Kai, you mentioned that LMU didn't shoot well in that first meeting where St. Mary's won by 14. St. Mary's was four for 18 from three, two. They didn't shoot the ball well either. Uh, it wasn't some, you know, shooting splits type of game. St. Mary's just suffocates teams. I'm too impressed with them, Matt. I think, I think Mr. Randy Bennett, one of the best, most underrated coaches in the country, will have them back up. So I am not signing off on any of these four but I will have one or two for the people. It does kind of help. They have uh, four nights off to, uh, you know, get their hangover, 
you know, put it behind him, prep, get ready for another game here. I'm, I'm still riding with the uh, the volatility in the home dogs here, the WCC. A couple other candidates you guys wrote down here. Jim, uh, tell us why you're eyeing a few of these other ones. New Mexico State at Grand Canyon, Binghamton at New Hampshire, and Monmouth at Stony were the uh, late ads to our candidates. Well, for me, I, I added Monmouth. Uh, plus six at Stony Brook on Wednesday. Stony Brook could still be missing Tyler Stevenson more. Their best and most uh, high, highest usage player plays like every minute when he's healthy. That will probably mean the spread is not six, as Ken Palm has it. Uh, but Monmouth is also rolling, a team that we had given up on and maybe thought we could get back in on and then given up on again. But over this recent stretch, three straight wins, including on the road at NCA&T, Delaware, Drexel at home, I've been really impressed by them. A young team, maybe finally starting to trend up with King Rice. So Kai, I'm backing Monmouth as one of my Moneyline dogs. And then one of your choices here, I'm going to join you on Binghamton. Binghamton. They whooped New Hampshire in the first game. They beat them by 18. Binghamton. This is a team that was supposed to be top five in the America East. Supposed to be a little bit of a, a team on the rise this season. They certainly have not lived up to that. But they can beat New Hampshire, a team that's really really hangs their hat on defense and physicality um, and, and they can certainly get cold and if they can't score, they can't win. So I like Binghamton as well. New Mexico state, they are much better at home, but man, two wins in a row in the whack here against very good teams, Seattle and Stephen F. Austin have proven to me that, okay, this team's not quite dead and we know they have the talent to beat grand Canyon. Ultimately I'm going to not officially take that one for the show, but it's an intriguing one, Matthew. I wanted to bring to the table. No, you're right. Like that's you're getting like maybe the most talented team in that conference at like a garage sale penny stock price just because of how poorly they've played. So uh, I certainly like that, especially from a money line angle. Uh, but officially, I'm only taking those two WCC pups. Kai, you're on me on those two, as well as Binghamton. Jim is on Binghamton and King Rice in the squad looking to ride that mojo. The young Hawks up and coming after a disastrous start to their season. We move along. Monmouth. Section that would be Monmouth to, to clarify. What did I say? People aren't... Monmouth. Oh, yeah. Well, you sorry. just didn't say Monmouth. I want to make sure it's clear. Yeah, yeah, King Rice, Monmouth. They should be synonymous for those who are listening. But yes, Monmouth is who Jim is taking there to clarify. Move along to section number two here. Blowout City. Fire in the hole! Not a lot of options here this late in conference play, but whenever Houston is on the slate playing against a uh, bottom feeder of the ACC, uh, they will qualify. And Tulsa is... AC. AAC. What did I say? ACC. ACC. AAC. Thank you, Jim. Um, Tulsa qualifies as a bottom feeder. They are lurking in the basement, below basements here. Kempom has this as Houston minus 27 at home. Houston obviously had a little bit of a lull there. They seem to be back on track, Kai. Is there any reason to think Tulsa competes in this game? No, I actually kind of made it higher than 27. Um, whether I'm going to lay that many points is TBD because laying that many points is very risky. In my opinion, lots of variance obviously happens, but Tulsa's literally the worst ATS team in the country this year. They're 3-17 and 17 against the number. 3-17. and 17. You do very well this season if you just faded them every single game. And Houston won game one by 49, excuse me, 39 points on the road. Houston can absolutely blow the doors off this team. Tulsa cannot compete. I will think about actually playing this game. Yes, they're that bad. First half. I will play it first half. I love Calvin Sampson teams in the first half. I think they can just absolutely undress Tulsa as much as they want. And then maybe they'll go to sleep in the second half, but that's not really a, a Sampson MO. Uh, they're usually very tuned in. Effort is, is pretty much always there. But man, yeah, they'll dominate the glass here. 
won't turn the ball over, and they will force a bevy of them against Tulsa. The biggest thing is that the, the battle on the glass is going to be an embarrassment, Matthew. I think Houston can grab every offensive rebound they want. First half spread of probably around 15 there. Yeah. I, I'm relatively comfortable taking laying 14 and a half, 15. Yeah, we're about Houston taking their foot off the gas. They just played four like really tough AAC teams. Um, so now they get like the you know the easiest cupcake on there. Maybe they they sleepwalk, but I just think they're too good. There's no way Tulsa competes there. Really disastrous season for Eric Conkle in his first go round uh, after a stellar resume he racked up at Louisiana Tech. Um, for Thursday, Mr. McKeon, there are two options I honed in in Pac-12 land. Arizona traveling to Cal, UCLA traveling to Oregon State, the two cellar dwellers of that conference. Any reason to think Cal or Oregon State can be here, or are Arizona and UCLA going to take these two to the woodshed? Yeah, I think it's a woodshed type of thing. Uh, more confidence in Arizona just because they've been a freight train last three games. They beat Washington by 15 and Oregon State by 32 points. They've been rolling. I expect them to keep rolling against Cal. UCLA, yeah, they probably do the same thing. Oregon State can be a little bit scrappier, um, and UCLA doesn't have the same, in my opinion, blowout ability that Arizona has. Yeah, it's it's kind of an interesting thing with both these squads because they're sort of in the mix for the Pac-12 title. Like UCLA has the definite advantage right now. Arizona's a game behind them. UCLA has to go on the mountain trip still. So they're both definitely still playing for that. And they're also in the mix for the final one seed. Arizona definitely closer. Um, interestingly, despite not leading the league, UCLA needs to rack up more quality wins to get there. But I, I think there is very much an incentive for both these teams to continue winning and winning by a lot. So, yeah, I, I could see both these ones turn a little bit ugly, Matt, despite being on the road. Well, Pac-12 after dark on Thursday might not be that yeah. exciting to watch. Oregon State's been better at home. I mean, they beat Colorado there. They competed somewhat against Arizona there. I still don't think they have the horses, though, to, to pull off the upset. Um, but just something to note. And Cal's kind of mini surge was, was short-lived. You know, they have too many injuries at this point. It's just not a not a good basketball team. College basketball season is in full swing, so get in on the action with the king of sportsbooks. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION and receive first bet insurance up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility agreements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. This excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 800-889-9789 or call 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, and Utah and other states where prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. From bad power conference games to good power conference games, let's get to talking the big boys here. Oh, feel the power. Oh, I could feel it. Wednesday, Thursday, 
Uh, we got three games picked out here. Bluntly, not a ton of like marquee mega showdowns this week. Um, it kind of feels like a just a weird lull in the schedule, but there are a few big ones. Uh, we're going to bestow the Mountain West, a power conference lead for this discussion. Only Mr. McKeon set or San Diego State going to Utah State. Battle for first place atop the standings here. The Aztecs with a one-game lead. Utah State at eight and three. Utah State at home. The Spectrum Magic is real. The deal be rocking. Can they ride that wave, make enough shots, or do the Aztecs keep their defensive dominance rolling here on the road? Hi to you. I'm leaning towards uh, Utah State in this game, Matthew. I, I do love them at home. Now they lost the first matchup pretty handily, lost by ten on the road, but. Hey, that's tough to do against Viejas Center, San Diego State, strong court of their own. Uh, Utah State has proven it can score against anybody. They even scored against San Diego State. They had over 1.1 points per possession in that first game. They're a top 15 offense. Now, can they stop San Diego State on the other end? Probably not. But when you can shoot and score the way Utah State can, you have any you have a chance to beat anybody, especially at home. So lean towards the Aggies here. Yeah, that one turned into a laugher in the first half because Adam Seiko couldn't miss a three. Seven for nine for the game. And San Diego State ultimately hit 55% of the threes. Utah State's the best three-point shooting team in the country, and they were only 11 for 33. So this was actually, I would say, more sustainable performance from Utah State in the first one. Much better team at home. They are backs against the wall for an NCAA tournament bid. Uh, They don't have a Q1 win yet, and they have two Q4 losses. Run out of chances to get one. They don't have any big road shots anymore. This is it for Utah State. Not like a make-or-break game, but it's really close to it, Matthew. I love the Aztecs. I think they're going to out-athlete them on the glass some, but Utah State's execution at home in front of that crowd, I do lean towards the Aggies. Yeah, curious what this spread opens. Uh, Ken Palm has Utah State minus one. It should probably be around a pick. Um, I kind of like the Aggies just on the spot. We talked about how important these large home co- these large home courts have been in big spots, so I might just continue to ride that trend. Uh, other one here on Wednesday. Now, this spread doesn't indicate it's going to be some uh, barn burner matchup, but I'm inclined to think it might be closer than advertised. Alabama is hosting Florida. Hi, Kempom has this at minus 11. I got to think Alabama's going to be laying double digits as good as they've played. However, the market and the odds makers have been all over Florida recently. So you got to think it might be shaded down a few points, maybe minus eight. We will yeah. see when it eventually pops, but Gators quietly six and four in SEC play defending. Their little tushies off right now. Can't score always, but they can guard. Can they muck it up and bring Bama down into the mud? Keep this one close? Yeah, the offensive end is what I'm worried about for the Gators. They really just can't score. And Alabama's defense is legit. Uh, Top five in the country right now. Second best in the SEC behind Tennessee, who is the best defense in the entire country. I just just think it's too much for the Gators to handle. Um, You know, on the other end, Florida's defense has been great for sure. But Alabama can still score. I just have more confidence in getting points, especially at home. And I fear for the Gators and how they're going to manufacture scoring against such a great defense in Alabama, Jim. Yeah, I, the side's tough for me to figure out. I've been a huge fan of Bama all year. Um, they're kind of uh, above even what I expected at this stage. But the defense, I think, is super real. Uh, and I'm trying to pull up right now Florida's over-under splits recently, especially in league play, have trended way more towards the under that's actually what I think I would bet here. I, I think they can kind of slow down the Alabama attack. So, yeah, over the last 15 games, uh, uh, Florida has had 12 unders. That tells you how the defense is playing. 12-3 and three to the under over the last 15. I, I think they know they can't run with Alabama. They know they need to take away the paint. I like the under there, Matthew. Um, 145 and a half on yeah, an early too. opener, what I'm seeing right now. I would take that under. 
I did say, and Florida's going to be hyper focused on taking away transition. Obviously, against Alabama, that's easier said than done. But I just knowing that that's where Todd Golden's focus will be from a coaching and prep perspective. I like that angle. I think that does correlate with my lean of Florida. Uh, if they're a ten point or more dog, I'll probably take the Gators small. Uh, kind of Thursday we go another kind of inflated spread, at least on the surface, but for justifiable reasons, Purdue's been awesome. Um, they're hosting Iowa off that tough loss at Indiana. I think they played pretty well given how um, how hype of a spot that was for the Hoosiers, how badly IU needed that win. They're back at home in front of Mackey. They're uh, they're faithful there. Iowa comes to town. Hempom has it at a nine-point game. I got to think the spread opens pretty close to that. A uh, little trip down memory lane. Iowa beat Purdue in the Big Ten title uh, conference tournament title game last year after Purdue swept them in the regular season. Fun little chess match here uh, between the Zach Eady Burley big of Purdue versus the spacey bigs of Iowa. What do you think gives? Yeah, I, I like Purdue. Um, I like him off the loss to Indiana. I like him coming back to Mackey. And I like the fact that they will not be stopped on the offensive end. Best offensive rebounding team in the conference by far against one of the worst defensive rebounding teams. Iowa's defense has been terrible this season, just like it usually is under Fran McCaffrey. And Purdue just will score at will. Uh, on the other end, you know, Iowa could certainly put up points. Purdue's defense has been better this season. Um, but the other end is where there's such a big mismatch that I have to lean towards Purdue here, Jim. Yeah, I mean, we, we, we joke about Fran McCaffrey's defenses, but he's been there 13 years. This is his third worst. or second worst defense. Yeah. Like, it, it's it's not even uh, just Fran McCaffrey bad. It's bad for Fran McCaffrey, which is a special <laughs> degree of bad. That is a real concern. The offense is somehow better than years with Luca Garza and, and Keegan Murray there. Sanford trending up has really helped, given them a lot of perimeter shooting. And Pat McCaffrey has been really, really invaluable. They've gotten him back in the lineup. That's helped. I could see that maybe making this line a little too high. But man, Matt, I have no interest in fading angry Purdue off a loss yeah. to their arch rival. I just, I can't quite get there. Yeah, I don't either, especially with their, uh, you know, their Big Ten lead is safe right now. But, um, you know, if Rutgers wins tonight, when we're recording this Tuesday, it gets one uh, one game closer. So I think Purdue's locked in. I think they dominate here. Uh, just as a general fan perspective, this will be one of the more aesthetically pleasing games to watch. Neither team fouls ever. I think the number one and number two defensive foul rate in the country. Um, so if your eyes are still bleeding from watching Tarleton versus UT Arlington last night on Monday, this will be a good kind of palate cleanser for you, Kai. So. Good point, Matthew. Yes. Thank you. And now we pivot to the mid-major game of the week section. Again, not a ton of great options, but on Thursday, there are two barn burners. We are all over the Conference USA in this section. I think we talked about UAB and North Texas uh, a few different times here. We're going to go back to that well because UAB comes back to Denton, Texas uh, to take on the Mean Green, who Kempom has as a four-point favorite, Jim. Blazers may be trending up now with Jelly Walker back in the mix. They got that Florida Atlantic win in their pocket. Do they keep it going against the Mean Green at the Super Pit? Yeah, and perhaps Andy Kennedy has sorted out any locker room issues they had after a couple suspensions of guys further down the rotational spectrum. And yeah, four straight wins, including the Florida Atlantic win. North Texas did win the first one, completely controlled the pace. Slowest game UAB has played all year by eight possessions and a yeah. couple that are closer to that, but drag them into the mud the way North Texas is want to do. That might be the case again here because it's at North Texas, Kai. I usually like the home team to control the tempo. Usually like the slower team to control the tempo. It's just a little easier to slow teams down than speed them up. I'm leaning towards the mean green. 
I don't like laying that many points with them because it's not some devastating offense that can get hot and, and bury you. But it feels a little bit crock potty for my good uh, my good friends, the Mean Green. Yeah, I'm going UAB. Jelly Walker missed that game against North Texas. UAB was one for 10 from three in that game. I, I just think they have a yeah, much better outing here. Um, and you said it, four points a lot to lay, in my opinion, for North Texas against such a good team in UAB that still, at its peak, could be the best team in this conference with apologies to FAU. I still think they're the best team. But UAB has that ability, has that talent. So I lean towards UAB here, Matt, if the spread's indeed four. I kind of do too, and I've been sort of selling UAB, but I think Jim hit it. The Kennedy figured out some locker room stuff. It seems like they're they're back on track. The one issue with UAB, which I've seen them falter in multiple times this year, if they get um, pressed late, they have really been poor handling pressure, which is kind of uh, it's an old basketball anecdote. You press a pressing team, you kind of give them a dose of your own medicine, and maybe Grant McCasson un- unleashes that in this one, but that's certainly not their MO. You got to think they sit back and do what they do. Jelly Walker makes threes from 28, 25 feet out. I think they're having a good chance this one. And the way Gaines is playing as well. Um, so, yeah, a lot to yeah. like about the way the Blazers Gaines team is playing. Awesome. awesome. Yep. yep. All right, we head west for our second mid-major till our first spotlight on the Big West, I think, so far this season. Uh, Long Beach is hosting UC Santa Barbara. So, Beach is currently, I think, tied for second place. Santa Babs, Kai, your squad sits atop leaderboard at 9-2, and 18-4 overall. Uh, Joe Pasternak, a ton of down transfer talent there. Experienced ball club. Coming off a tough loss to the Matadors of Cal State Northridge. What? Lost to Northridge? Um, <laughs> yeah. No do idea. they bounce back here in a uh, you know pretty short travel there from Santa Barbara down to Long Beach? I, I do lean towards Santa Barbara here. Long Beach has been good lately. They've won six straight. They're 7-1 without Joel Murray, who was arguably their best player, and, and he's been out and out for the rest of the year. They figured out life without him. But if you look at the conference – efficiency numbers in both ends. Barbara dominates this league. They're number one on offense, number two on defense. Long Beach is kind of the middle of the league, middle of the pack in both ends. Um, They've certainly been manufacturing wins, but I think when they face a team like Barbara, I think they falter. Um, I I like the Babs here, Jim, the Gauchos. Yep, I like the spot too. Uh, Beach just knocked off Irvine. One of the, uh, they're actually in second place right now in the league. Santa Barbara had this absolutely befuddling loss that you already mentioned. I'm, I'm going to be betting Santa Barbara here. If it's one pick minus two, I'll lay. It might be a little different than that because of the Joel Mary factor with him not being in there. You can see the market taking it to UCSB minus two. But um, when we get to our betting recap at the end of the show, I will be including Santa Barbara in there, Matt. I, I just think they're categorically better, especially in this version of Beach. Yeah, I agree. They're healthy too. They they were banged up to start the year. They had a couple of lull efforts in the non-con um, and tough travel spots. So I, I'm with you. I think uh, I think they bounce back for sure. And now we go to the trash man pick of the week. Our fifth section, the trash man pick of the week. I'm the trash man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. Is that it? That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. Um, one that we'll try and fly through because it, it pains us to discuss these two teams, but it's always the NEC. We hate to pick on this conference, but as bad as it is this season, that's where the garbage piles lie. And so that's where we go to scoop them up to discuss. And this week, Kyatt's Wagner at St. Francis, Brooklyn, the Terriers. I like Wagner. I have all year. They haven't played well. I have a future on them to win this conference. I think they smack St. Francis on the road. It's a short spread. So under, yes, I like under, but I think the side is where I'm leaning in this matchup. Do you have any profound thoughts on a game that probably two people listening to this podcast will actually watch? Um, I hate St. Francis 
Brooklyn because they uh, have cost me a little bit of money this year. Despite the fact that Rob Higgins has been out, they've been somehow competitive winning games. They don't even play at home right now, man. Their home court is closed currently. They're playing in a different place. It looks like a rec center, frankly, and not a good rec center like your your neighborhood Y or something like that. Hi, it's called the Pope PE Center. It is literally like a Fayed, like physical <laughs> education place. Conference. Yeah, it's it's terrible. Uh, it really is. And, you know, that shouldn't be part of the handicap. Maybe it even helps them, to be honest. Um, but I, I lean towards uh, Wagner here, Matthew. I, I just refuse to believe St. Francis is competitive without those two guys in the lineup. Yeah, that's where I land. I I almost want to bet Wagner here, especially if we can get confirmation that Higgins and Moreno are both still out for SFC. They're key pieces, and they've sort of reshaped their identity recently, been competitive, uh, actually won three in a row. But they beat Wagner at Wagner, and I think there's some revenge factor coming back here for the Seahawks. I, I kind of think they could smack them. Yeah, I think so, too. I think this is the start of a Wagner run. I'm hoping to see Wagner and Stonehill square off toward the end of the season for a potential outright birth but that's very wishful thinking for a team that's still uh three three games back in the title spot and we move to section number six a spotlight on futures talking title futures feels like a good time to reset and discuss a handful of teams that have had some either very impressive resume building wins that puts them in good favorable seating spots to make a deeper run or just teams that are playing better kind of agnostic of, you know, resume building wins. Obviously there's some overlap there, but uh, curious for you guys' thoughts on the value of these five teams and feel free to pepper in any additional ones you think are worth adding right now. Um, St. Mary's at 30 to one and Indiana at 30 to one, both with huge, huge wins over the weekend. I think the time to add both was before they played. So if you missed before the Gonzaga game and Purdue game, Jim, is there still any value left on the Gales at 30 to one and at the Hoosiers at 30 to one, the Gales are creeping up the seed line too. I mean, they're going to be looking at what a potential top, uh, four or uh five top, right now. top yeah. five, right? Yeah. They so they thoughts, three, though. yeah, four or five. Yeah. I don't know if I can find any value where they're currently at. I mean, if you really are a buyer in predictive analytics, then getting St. Mary's at this value is probably insane. I just think there are still some athleticism questions against higher level teams. Still go back to the, the losses they took earlier in a year, New Mexico, Colorado state, Washington, Maybe two I guess two of those are definitely not tournament teams. New Mexico uh, barely in at this stage, but I think they're still vulnerable to some of that. And despite the <clears throat> terrific analytics and the emergence of Aiden Mahaney into an actual star on the ball and Randy Bennett's expert coaching, I think 30 is fine and correct. Not, not something where I'm like buying, give me this, give me this value. What do you think, Kai? Yeah, yeah, it, it's tough. I agree. They're, uh, they're seventh in Gempom, so... You're getting the number seven team per Ken Palm for, you know, a, a team that's ranked 20th or something in, in these odds here. Um, can they make a run? Yeah, I just don't see them winning the title. I, I agree. The athleticism is an issue and the loss they've taken this year, not pretty. Indiana, Matt, no thank you as well. You know, I, I know Xavier Johnson's coming back soon and they're a good team. Um, certainly one that can make a run. Uh, but, you know, at the same price, I'd rather have Xavier. Uh, you know, and you have to consider Ooh, seating. Really? Wow. Yeah, I, I would rather have Xavier, Indiana. What seed are they looking at currently? You know, it might not be top four seed. Um, and even behind them, Kansas State right now is looking at like a three seed. You know, maybe a four, but currently yeah. a three seed, and they're 40 to one. I'd almost rather have them uh, on the draw than Indiana. Yeah, I think you have to look at the seeding projections. Like, that's such an undervalued part of the futures market when you're betting it this late in the year, when you actually have like a pretty clear indication as to where teams could fall. 
Um, I think in a vacuum, they're having Deanna over Xavier Kai, but um, but the seating angle there certainly uh, you know plays a factor. And with St. Mary's starting to climb that, um, that will can bode I, better for their odds. I want yes. both. I want over both of them. Yes, at that price you're saying, in that price range. Yep, Creighton thirty-five to one. Yeah, I, I like Creighton a lot. I was going to say that, but they're great. eight, eight or seven seed, right? That's where they're at right now. But they've got some home win possibilities down the stretch here. I think there's going to be some. Oh, look how good they were with Kalkbrenner. Look how high they are in predictive analytics. Mm-hmm. This team could vault up the seed list pretty quickly, I think, and suddenly be a, a four seed or something. Yeah, true. And at that stage, you have a top 10 Ken Palm team that has, I think, more raw talent than St. Mary's does. And, I, and I'll take that. So that one's a little bit more of a gamble. St. Mary's is like, this sure thing is going to be a four seed almost certainly, right. mm-hmm. or four or five. Uh, but man, I, I, I'm buying the upside of Creighton after being the preseason, oh, you can't call them a top five team automatically. I, I see it. I see what I see the vision now, Matthew. Yeah, I need to. Can I go ahead? It's what you have to do right now, right? Is, is make a guess like Jim is saying, like make a gamble because there are eight games left in the year. It, it, this could look completely different, right? I, you know, I'm kind of going against my, my point just a second ago. The seeds are definitely fluid right now, right? Creighton could be a, a three seed if they win the next eight games, for instance. So it is true. You should, you could, or you, you need to look forward and, and take a, take that gamble and, and look at the upside. Kind of in the same vein as team that was high preseason had a lull, now finding its stride. I put Kentucky at forty to one uh, odds, courtesy of our fine sponsor Bet MGM. Um, I still see the upside with with Big Blue Nation. I don't know if it's quite as high as we thought preseason. Um, they're still not all the way healthy, but they've been very impressive the last few weeks. Um, I think forty to one is certainly worth a shot here. I know Kentucky fans are probably gonna, um, you know, roll their eyes at that one, but Jim, I think forty one is a pretty good bet here. I'm, I totally disagree. I think 40 is not a great value because this team is barely in the field right now. They have one Q1 win. They're legitimately like a bubble team, like Dayton type of squad. And so I just don't think the value is very good at 40 to one. So I'd rather have Miami, Florida at 100 to one than Kentucky at 40. Just for safer. Yeah, it's true. Again, going into my initial point about seating, um, yeah, I think most bracket matrix has them, what, the 11 seed. So they actually, they could slip into playing game status for sure. I am banking on a very, very impressive surge, which kind of vaults them into that. Okay. Um, but even then, right, that's that still gets them to what to eight, nine. You got to play a one seed second round, even you know, you're on that seven, ten, two seed. So, uh, dice there. Once you get if you got past that, though, you feel pretty good about some potential hedging opportunities. Um, I'll throw in two more here Rutgers at 66 to one and San Diego State at 101. I think the latter I like the most of this bunch here just because I like the way the Aztecs were playing. They had a little bit of, of a lull uh, around December. They had a ton of guys with minor, minor injuries. Um, it's a team that I think is built to make a deep run because they can defend, but they also have some upside this year uh, with Tremel and Bradley, guys that can make shots, can get hot, can carry you uh, on the back of that sturdy defense that Dutcher has always constructed, Kai. Thoughts on the Scarlet Knights, Steve Peichel, similar identity there too, but I actually kind of like the value better for the Aztecas. Yeah, if you look at just pure seeding to value or, or to to odds, San Diego State and Miami are probably. Kai, Kai you went on mute. We lost Kai on mute. Kai's making yeah, excellent points right anymore. now. He's, he's hammering some fantastic points. Uh, unfortunately, no, Matt. I'll I'll kind of step in there because he he mentioned Miami, and that's the team I had just mentioned a little bit too. Uh, They're like a six seed in projections. Team went yeah. to the Elite Eight last year. They have arguably the best perimeter in the country. Like you can make that pitch with Nigel Pack, Isaiah Wong, you count Jordan Miller as a perimeter guy, the emergence of Wooga Poplar. Wooga Poplar. Starting to look a lot better. 
Um, yeah, I, I think that they are somebody that is really worth considering. A lot of these longer shots, Matt, I like to, you know, hunt for final four odds rather than title odds. Even 100 to one, I think is, you know, something that you can easily hedge off later if you need to. Test, test, my back. He's back. He's back. back. I, I was going to say, if you look at bracket matrix compared to the odds market, San Diego State and Miami are probably your best value in, in a seating perspective to where they are priced in the market right now. Rutgers, I liked until Moat Mag got announced out for the year. Yeah, just announced. Yep. So, yep. While they are ranked 15th in Kempom, I just don't think they're going to be the 15th best team going forward. I don't really think they're the 15th best team now. Where, Where are they supposed State, to be seated, by the way? What's Rutgers they're, guidance? There are five right now. Um, oh, okay. They're probably going down. San Diego State and Miami still have upside at 100 to 1. Yeah, that, that, that's pretty good value there. Um, there's other flyers out there. I'm sure an 8 seed is going to make the Final Four. Like the last couple of years, been nuts in there, you know, the, the tournament and such. But uh, yeah, I, I would say San Diego State's good value there. In Miami, I think, has that uh, slightly unorthodox style where I think Larinaga found something last year with that run. He's basically just replicated that. He built the roster very similar to last year's run, right? So he's kind of run it back just with a couple of different pieces interchanged. But Jordan Miller's still kind of that X Factor guy. He's still got Wong, you got Pack. So I, I like the way that's set up. And you're right with the seating to price discrepancy, one of the better bets on the board from that seed to price value lens. That's all we got so far. Any final late toss, any, uh, any Hail Mary Mizzou, what's Mizzou's current price? I don't know where I'm not betting Mizzou. 150 to one, but yeah, I, I need more value. I there. can't pitch it to it. No. I, I already got him way higher than that, Matt. Don't worry. Same what do you have? 500 to one? Hey. What'd you guys have? Uh, something like that. Yeah. I have him 500 to one. <laughs> huh. All right, well, don't, don't flame out round one, which I'm sure will definitely not happen. All right. That concludes our program. Thanks everyone for stopping by. Thank you to BetMGM for making this all possible. Uh, we'll be back next time. Same time, same place for another Big Bets on Campus episode. Until then, good luck on your wagers this weekend and uh, let's get winners. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.